this week on the Dylan and Dylan show. The guys draft NFL MVPs in the out of the box fantasy draft. College football previews continue with the ACC and a look at the Notre Dame season. The NFL power rankings continue this week, jumping into the top 10 with numbers 12 through 9. This week in sports covers the MLB division races, as well as we telling you, us telling you the best things we saw this week in the world of sports. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dylan and Dylan show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. It is Friday, August 20th, and we are back with what should be another great episode for you guys. Dylan Jesperson here with me, as always, is my co-host, the other Dylan, Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? Doing fit. I am doing fantastic, as usual. Um, I'm coming off a very big sports win for my St. Louis Cardinals last night. They, they were finally able to overcome the Milwaukee Brewers, get a big win. Um, but we'll talk about that a little, a little more later. Um, I've got two little interesting August 20 sports facts. So back in 1920, the American Professional Football Association formed. Jim Thorpe would be installed as the initial president, which I thought was pretty neat. That would obviously later go on to be the NFL. Uh, and then a few years before that, 1915, the White Sox acquired Shoeless Joe Jackson from Cleveland for Robert Robert Roth. Larry Chapel, Ed Kepler, and $31,000. And Shoeless Joe Jackson obviously went down in infamy with the, with the Black Sox scandal of 1919. So I thought those were two little pretty interesting August 20 sports facts. But yeah, excited for a very fun show today. Interesting stuff. As always, quick reminder to follow Tunnel Vision, Tunnel Vision Sports on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That way you never miss an upload of any of our fun, either of those. Uh, is our last weekend without football, and both as both college and NFL seasons are almost upon us, we have been having a ton of fun with these out-of-the-box drafts. And with the NFL season coming quickly, we decided that it was time to use uh, the same system as we did with the Heisman draft. We're going to do our NFL MVP draft. Uh, anyone that won the uh, AP MVP award for the NFL is up for grabs uh, as me and Dylan try to uh, assemble the best MVP squad. Uh, I'll throw it to Dylan. Are we going to dr- go to the coin again this week for to yep. decide it? I got myself a dime. It's small. I don't know if my camera will pick it up, but I'll let you call it. All right. I got to go with tails. Tails, tails. Never fails. tails never fails. You want first or second and third? Uh, I went second and third last week, so I, I, I'll i take the first pick this week. You I got guess. it. So I will start off. Uh, I'm going to take the first pick uh, a bit strategically, too, because uh, this guy passed through my grasp when we did the Heisman draft, and I'm not going to let him get away this time. Uh, the only MVP out of the out of my favorite team, the Detroit Lions, Barry Sanders, 
only the third ever running back to rush for 2,000 yards in the season. He had 11 touchdowns on the ground, three through the air, and uh, maybe the most dynamic running back of all time in terms of what he could do, uh, you know, Maybe not as fast as some of the guys that would come later and win the MVP, but maybe the shiftiest running back of all time. Um, and and then NFL MVP draft. If I if I let Barry get away, I would probably not not be happy with myself in the long run. So I'll, I'll take Barry and I'll throw it to you for your second and third or the second and third. I kind of imagine you would go Barry, and I, I kind of expected that I didn't have Barry on my list for that reason. Um, my first pick is the guy I think of when I think of football just in general. I'm going with Peyton Manning. And when I was compiling this list, I kind of went with just like certain MVP years. Like I got Peyton won five MVPs. But I'm looking at in specific that 2013 season where he threw for 5,477 yards, 55 touchdowns, only 10 picks. Uh, his fifth and final MVP, obviously a pro bowler. He's the MVP. Um, it's one of the best offensive seasons ever, not only for a player, but a team. They scored 606 points. That's like 38 points per game. That's just absurd. They obviously were incredible, 13-3, and lost to Seattle in the Super Bowl by a million points, but that doesn't matter. The MVP is a regular season award, and he was fantastic in the regular season, like he was five times winning the MVP. Peyton is one of the greatest of all time, in my mind, the greatest, but that's debatable, and that'll be a, a different day, I, I'm sure. Uh, so Peyton's the first MVP I'll take. The second one uh, also is close to my heart. Uh, it's one that I think most people might look over, but this guy, he's a Kentucky native, and I, I always got I to look out for my Kentucky guys. Um, the 2005 MVP from the Seattle Seahawks, Sean Alexander, um, ha- he ran the ball 370 times for uh, 1,880 yards and 27 touchdowns. He was a huge reason for the Seahawks' success. They went 13-3 and that year. Went on to lose to the Steelers in the Super Bowl. But again, like with Peyton in 2013, regular season award. We're not going to not gonna remember the Super Bowl. We're going to remember what Sean did. Uh, I think he kind of gets forgotten with uh, kind of the mid-2000s. Uh, we don't appreciate what Sean Alexander did. And uh, i to give a shout-out to my Kentucky boy. Florence, Kentucky native, went to Alabama and then Seattle. Uh, but, yeah, Sean Alexander and Peyton Manning, my first two picks. I'll throw it to you. Yeah, and both of those guys are kind of uh, nostalgic for uh, probably both of us because those were two of the most dominant guys when we first started watching football. Sean Alexander was the back that I first remember really watching uh, when I was growing up. Uh, With my second pick, I'll go with the next back that came uh, after him uh, that really took my heart and was my favorite back growing up. I'm talking LT, Danian Tomlinson from the San Diego Chargers. Uh, Probably my favorite running back that I got to see growing up. uh, Won the 2006 MVP, uh, 1,815 rushing yards, 28 rushing touchdowns, 31 total touchdowns, 2,320. 23 uh, total yards. It's still quite possibly the best running back season ever. Uh, and he was, you know, everything for that San Diego Chargers team back in the day. Uh, one of the best players to never really have any postseason success. Uh, just kind of the the way it goes as being a dominant running back the way he was. But, you know, LT, uh, if I, uh, another guy that I would feel bad about if I didn't uh, get on my list here. Uh, so I'll snatch up LT. And then for my third pick, uh, you've got Peyton Manning, so I think it's only fitting that I take Tom Brady with my third pick. Get those guys on opposite squads and let p- people decide between them. 
maybe the undisputed goat. I'm sure you can. We could have that conversation at some point. But uh, won it in 2007 and 2010. Uh, if we're going with one specific season, the 2007 season was a better statistical season for Brady. He had 4,806 passing yards, uh, led the led the league in passing yards, completion percentage, and touchdowns. Um, obviously, the the Super Bowls speak for themselves. Tom Brady is. Uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if not the greatest. Uh, and I'm, again, uh, happy to have him on my squad. So I'll throw it to you for your final two picks. LT Hurts. I, I had LT on my list, and I was hoping to get him right here. I did have Tom Brady on the list because I didn't feel right. Tom and Peyton on the same team. They they need to be on opposite squads. Uh, so that feels right, you taking Tom. But LT, that that's things. I, I have to pick up someone else. Um, I am going to go with. 1984 Dan Marino uh, from the Miami Dolphins. Dan, uh, that year, obviously Dan Marino, all-time great. Uh, He put up numbers in 1984 that would be spectacular in 2020 or 2021. Through 5,084 yards, 48 touchdowns. That is absurd. He he threw 16 more touchdowns than the second highest uh, total touchdown amount that year. Uh, Just an absurd, absurd season from Dan Marino. Um, that would look kind of normal and absurd today. Uh, so Dan Marino, throw him in that third spot. And then my fourth spot, I'm going to go with another guy that's kind of close to my heart um, uh, from the St. Louis Rams, 1999, Kurt Warner, the quarterback of the greatest show on turf. Uh, Kurt, uh, we all know his story. It's a great one, but this is kind of the peak of the great Big Kurt Warner story. connection here. Oh, you're good now. You're all good now. Am I good? Yeah. Okay. So 1999, Kurt Warner. Uh, we all know his story, great one. Uh, this is kind of peak of that story. Uh, he went out with the greatest show on turf, threw for 4,353 yards, 41 touchdowns. They won the Super Bowl. He did it with my uncle, Tory Holt. Not really my uncle, but got, got to get the namesake out there. Um, so uh, Kurt Warner, one of the few on my my team that actually won the MVP, then went on to win the Super Bowl. So I had to get Kurt on the greatest show on turf. So, yeah, rounding out my team, got Peyton. You got Sean Alexander, Dan Marino, and Kurt Warner. And I'll throw it to you for your last pick. Yeah, both of those guys made it on my alternates list, but they weren't on my uh, the top four. Obviously, easy names to come up with Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner and Tom Brady probably have the best stories of any players to win the MVP. Obviously, the undrafted Arena Football League player uh, then goes on to win MVP and Super Bowl. And then the, yeah, Dan Marino would fit in right at home with the with the league the way it is now it would be interesting to see what he could do with an offense uh designed around him today because that would be amazing uh but i'm gonna throw it back uh to a guy that terrorized my team uh, when i was growing up uh, it was near the end of his career but the most one of the most dominant quarterbacks uh in his time uh brett Favre. Uh, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, three-peated as the NFL MVP in between 95 and 97. Uh, If we're going with one year, he, in 95, led the league with 4,413 yards and 38 touchdowns um, and was just the most dominant quarterback in the 90s. Uh, In 98, he didn't even win the MVP, and he still led the league in passing yards, completion percentage, total completions. Uh, I mean, he was – one of those guys where it was just boring to vote him for MVP at some point. So they had to go with someone else. But, uh, and when you get a guy like that, uh, that's, those are the guys that, that symbolize the MVP in my mind. That's guys like Jordan LeBron, where it gets boring voting them for MVP. So you got to give it to someone else. 
So I'll take Brett Favre, round out my list. I got Barry, I got Favre, I got Brady, and I got LT. So it should be a very interesting vote this week. Uh, be sure to check in on our social media pages. The poll should be on the at Dylan and Dylan Show Twitter. So be sure to let us know what you think of that, uh, who you think should have been on our list. Uh, Dylan, did you have any alternates that didn't make your list? That uh, I did. I had two. I had Patrick Mahomes in 2018. He was awesome. And then I had OJ Simpson, uh, first running back to run for 2,000 yards, but I decided to go with Sean Alexander. And then LT was obviously on my list, so I had to dip in, get Dan Marino. Um, who did you have as alternates, or did you have? Yeah, so Kurt Marine, Kurt Warner and Dan Marino both were on my alternates list. Uh, I also had Aaron Rodgers on there in case one of all of those guys were gone. Uh, obviously, dominant for the Green Bay Packers as well, but I decided to go with Favre instead of Rodgers. And then I also I was never going to draft him. I just wanted to throw this out there. Mark Mosley, the only kicker to ever win the MVP award. I, this is the first time I ever like found out about this, doing the research for this. I was like, wait a minute. So let's say a kicker won the MVP in 1982. Uh, it was a short a strike shortened season, but he went 20 for 21 for field goals that year. Um, and he was the last straight on toe kicker in NFL history. Uh, for four years, he was the only guy left doing it in the league. Uh, most most players went to the soccer style by then, but got to give a shout out to Mark Mosley, the only special teams guy to ever win an MVP. That's a that's pretty cool in my book. Um, so, yep, stay uh, stay tuned to our social media pages. You'll uh, get some content along with that. We will move on to college football now. Uh, we're going to continue our breakdowns of the Power Five conferences. We are saving my Big Ten and Dylan's SEC for next week uh, as the for a special show that we will preview for you moving forward later in the show. Uh, but we will get into the ACC. Uh, as well as a breakdown of the season we expect for Notre Dame this season. Uh, we will start with the ACC. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on Clemson's conference? I think we lost your audio, Dylan. You weren't muted, but... <laughs> I'm not sure what happened there. Are we all good? Now we're good. Yep, now we're good. All right. So, like you were saying, this is Clemson's conference. Um, the, it, I don't think that's going to change. I think everything is still running through Clemson, South Carolina. They might have lost Trevor Lawrence and ETN and a slew of other fellas to the NFL, but they're just going to line up another NFL team in a college uniform. That's just how it is. They're going to have another Heisman favorite at quarterback. Justin Ross might be the best wide receiver Clemson's had in the past decade, and he's going to be back this year. So that's going to be interesting to see. The D-line is absurd. It's like an NFL D-line. It's like Washington football team's D-line that we've talked about. They're insane. They're, there's really nothing more for us to say about Clemson. They're going to be crazy. They'll probably run through this conference. I think it gets interesting when you look at the other teams because North Carolina, I think they're legit. Mac Brown's built something there. Sam Howell might be the best quarterback in the conference. Uh, uh, he's he's proven that he can do it in his first two years in North Carolina. They averaged 41.7 points per game last year. They're adding one of my guys from Tennessee. They're adding Ty Chandler as a transfer running back. Uh, so that offense hopefully is just going to become more explosive with uh, Ty uh, getting some snaps behind Sam Howell. Uh, but that defense, they're losing Chad Surratt, who was such a rock for him. 
So that it'll be interesting to see how they how they replace Surratt and try to slow down teams like Clemson um, and the other uh, high power offenses in the ACC. And then the third team that I, that always comes up when you talk about the ACC is Miami, the U. And I think Miami goes as far as De'Aaron King takes them, and that's kind of been the um, chat around Miami for the last few years. And I'm I'm just not sold that De'Aaron King is better than Sam Howell. So I think that right there, it takes I take UNC over Miami, and then just laws of math, Clemson over North Carolina. It's Clemson's conference. That's at the end of the day, Clemson's going to walk away and walk into the playoff probably pretty easy. That's just how it's been for the past five years or whatever, probably longer. Um, what do you think about the ACC this year? Yeah, uh, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. Obviously, uh, there's no debating that Clemson is miles ahead of everyone in this conference. Uh, I think. What really makes the ACC interesting is really seeing if any of the competitors can step up to the plate and also for an undefeated season, maybe set up some ACC drama because it's every, it seems every year the ACC is the one conference that's really decided by even week four, week five, Clemson's miles ahead of everyone. All the other teams already have a loss and it's, it's, it's basically decided. I'd love to see a team like North Carolina or Miami rattle off a bunch of wins and really set up for some drama near the end of the year. Cause we really haven't seen that in the ACC uh, for a while. So it would be nice to see one of those teams do it. Um, I'm kind of the opposite of you. I, I, I do like North Carolina. I think North Carolina is really good, but I think Miami might be the dark horse team to watch in this conference. And I think it's because of a guy like De'Aaron King, um, coming off that ACL tear. I definitely think there's an asterisk on that. Definitely watch. Cause if he's not at full speed, then that takes away the dynamic ability of what De'Aaron King does. But, uh, if, he is at full speed, then you've got the most explosive quarterback and the most experienced explosive quarterback in the conference running your, running your offense. And I think, you know, there's something to be said about that. I don't, I don't know if that's all that you need, but um, I think he, I've seen in the flashes that he's shown that he's a very, very good quarterback at, at at his best. Uh, So we'll see if he can put it together for a season and really give, maybe uh maybe a run for that ACC player of the year uh maybe a dark horse Heisman candidate if he can really step up this year uh but obviously I'm picking Clemson you don't really even need a reason they're more talented at every position than anyone they're gonna face this year uh but I just hope that we'll see some kind of competitive football down the stretch in the ACC this year um we did sort of get it last year when Notre Dame was in the mix uh but Notre Dame obviously back to their independent ways after joining ACC last year because of COVID-19. Uh, but Dylan, how do you see the fighting Irish season going this season? So, but when, when we come up with our topics, I like to write it down in my notes app and I just like to write what's in my head when I first think of it. And then I'll do research because obviously I don't have my fingerprint on Notre Dame football. I'm not like everyday in taking Notre Dame uh, content. And I wrote Notre Dame. I had all my ACC notes. I had a lot of stuff. I was like, I, I feel pretty confident talking about the ACC. We lost you momentarily again, Don. We're back, I think. <laughs> so, but yeah, Notre Dame's. So I'll, I'll hop into Notre Dame while we wait for Dylan's uh, internet to figure itself out. But uh, I think Notre Dame is one of the more interesting teams uh, when they're in a state of trying to find a new identity. Uh, I've liked Ian Book for the past few years uh, with 
with what they've done. And I think he's been a solid quarterback running their offense and running their system. Uh, but I always think Notre Dame is way more interesting when they kind of are forced to shake it up and, and run with some new athletes and run with some new guys. Um, obviously you'd probably want it to be a little bit more of a shakeup because you've got Wisconsin Traster, Jack Cohn running the, running the, the show. Uh, and we kind of know what we're getting with him at, at, at quarterback. He's not great. He's pretty good, uh, but doesn't really fit in the, what I would expect from a Notre Dame quarterback. He's more of a pocket passer. He's going to, he's not going to move his feet as much as, uh, guys like Ian book has done, have done in the past. So, um, I think it's really interesting to see how that plays out. It can a guy like that really run that offense. Uh, I think it's possible. I, I, we've seen guys like Tommy Reese do well in a Notre Dame system, uh, but that those teams were not elite. And uh, I think that's kind of the theme of what I think of Notre Dame this year. I don't think they're, I just don't think they're elite. I think they're pretty good. Uh, they've got a pretty easy schedule compared to what they usually do, but there's still some places where they can trip up. They're going to, they have to go to Wisconsin. Obviously they always have to play USC. They're going to have to play, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. Uh, so there's a, a few chances for them to slip up. I think uh, somewhere around two to three losses for Notre Dame sounds about right this year. Uh, at the best, I think maybe 11 and one, they're going to slip up at some point. But um, definitely interesting to see what Jack Cohn can do. Uh, we'll see if Dylan's internet is going to allow him to talk about Notre Dame. I hope my internet allows me to talk. It, it might be. The, the Notre Dame powers above not wanting me to trash the Fighting Irish. I don't know, but I, I'm not crazy about the Fighting Irish. I never really am. Um, but what I was saying is, I just have a bunch of question marks. They lost so much. Lost Ian Book. Lost half their offensive line. Lost their top three receivers. Um, and then, like you said, Jack Cohn stepping in can't really. I don't imagine many of the Fighting Irish supporters like Jack Cohn's the man leading us to our national championship. I. Uh, Jack Cohn's fine, like you said, but he's he's fine. Um, I think it's going to probably be a transition here for Brian Kelly and the and the Fighting Irish up in Indiana. Um, I think a big uh, barometer of success is going to be that October 30th matchup against North Carolina, and I think that's going to be tell a lot about both North Carolina and Notre Dame. uh, See if the Tar Heels are legit, and see if the Fighting Irish are legit. But yeah, I think Notre Dame's a a big question mark for me. I think I think that's going to stand to be true. Yeah, that's my thought. Yeah, as a Michigan fan, I think uh, I'm a little bit more in tune with Notre Dame. We don't play them every year as we used to, but uh, they're certainly recruiting guys that we're trying to recruit. And so I know they've got guys on that team. I know that roster is filled with talent. So it's just always you know a question mark of whether they'll be able to put it together. So uh, interesting to see. I'll uh, be looking forward to stuff on that on social media as well as looking forward to the main course next week with the Big Ten and the SEC. I think we're both fired up to get that going. Uh, next up, we were going to go back to the NFL power rankings, uh, back to the NFL with the NFL power rankings. We're cracking to the top 10 this week. We've got our 12 through nine picks. Uh, got teams that could be competitive this year, legit contenders, uh, just maybe not the favorite teams of me and Dylan. So we can just jump right into it here with Dylan at number 12. Who do you got? At 12, I have a team you had last week. And before I say it, I just want to apologize to my father because this is his favorite team and he might kill me. Uh, At 12, I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, And I said it last week, they just really pissed me off because sometimes they look awesome, sometimes they don't, and you don't know what to expect. So if they're the team from the first half of the year last year, then they'll be top 10. If not, I think they're about 12. 
So uh, we'll find out real quick, I think. Um, but they're going to be pretty good. They're going to be fighting for probably a wild card spot. I think there's two teams in that division that are better than them. Uh, but you got Big Ben. You've got playmakers all over the field. The defense is going to be solid. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to have a solid defense, and they're going to compete. It's just how it is. I think they, they fall in right around 12, and I'm looking at the teams above them. I'm like, yeah, all those teams are better than them. But they'll be competitive, and they can play with those teams. So, yeah, I like the Steelers at 12, and I'm sorry, Dad. Uh, who do you have at 12? Uh, like that pick for sure. Uh, at 12, I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I've been waiting to for San Francisco to put them where I wanted to put them on my board because uh, I wanted to see if maybe Trey Lance was going to usurp the starting role from Jimmy G. Um, it does seem like Garoppolo is going to be the guy, so I think 12 is probably about the right spot for the 49ers. Um, I'm really, uh, you know, the 49ers, not a lot has to be said. They're very solid on both sides of the ball. I think they're going to, you know, be competitive in a very, really competitive division. So uh, I don't think down or poorly uh, on the 49ers at all. I think my main question mark is really how that defense looks without Richard Sherman at corner and without Robert Sala running the show. Uh, I think that's going to be, you know, just an interesting thing to watch throughout the season. If they're going to be as solid as we think of the 49ers as uh, on defense, uh, was it really Robert Sala, you know, doing the things that he was doing, or is this really a, a solid defensive squad? Obviously guys like Nick Bosa make you think the other way, but you know, Robert Sala is a really good coach and I have a lot of respect for him. So I think uh, his loss is a little bit bigger than I think people maybe make it out to be. So I feel solid putting San Francisco right around 12. Uh, we'll move around to 11 but you got it at 11 for us. So from 12 at Pittsburgh, I'm going to go out west to Los Angeles and a team that I think a lot of people have a lot higher than 11, but I'm going with them at 11. The Matthew Stafford left led Los Angeles Chargers. Um, it's a really tough division. I like the Rams a lot. I just, I'm not sure that I, I just, I'm not sure that a top 10 team. I, I hope they prove me wrong because I like Stafford. I like uh, the stuff Sean McVay's done, and that defense is awesome. But I, I look at the teams above them. I think they're all better than the Rams. Um, I think this is going to be a real uh, proving ground year for the Rams. They've got a lot of hype. Uh, they're going to find out whether uh, life was better before the big trade to get Stafford, whether maybe they got a little too excited getting rid of Goff and going and getting Stafford. I don't know. Um, I think they're good, but I just – I don't think they cracked the top ten. I think there's a lot of hype that might hurt them. Uh, but, yeah, 11, the Los Angeles Rams. That might make me look real stupid in a couple months, but that's okay. Who do you have at 11? It might make you look stupid, but it will make me look stupid too because I am going to follow suit. I've got the L.A. Rams at 11 as well. Uh, and I said the same thing. This team is probably higher on most lists, uh, deep into the top ten on most lists. Uh, but And I think the acquisition of Stafford will help them. I just think the loss of Cam Akers hurts them more than Stafford's acquisition helps them. Uh, and, you know, there's just no running threat in L.A. now without Cam Akers. The, you know, one of those guys is going to come out and be productive for sure. Uh, it's hard not to be with the, the rest of the three and have a round. But in Stafford without a running game, it, it's not very it, – you know, he can do what he can do, but the play calling becomes very predictable and he's going to put up a bunch of yards, but you might, you're going to find yourself in close games basically every time because it, it's tough when you don't have a running game to take the pressure off of Matthew Stafford. So um, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think they're a bit overhyped. 
Uh, it could make us look stupid, but that's the fun of doing these power rankings. We'll move on to number 10. Uh, I'm glad you have them at 11 too, so it won't just be me. It's both the Dylan and Dylan. Um, at 10, I'm going with another team that's got a lot of hype after a big offseason. I'm, I'm going back to the AFC North. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. Um, and my reasoning, number one, was it's Cleveland. I They've got a whole lot of hype. And, I mean, they looked awesome last year doing the stuff they did in the playoffs, just decimating the Steelers in the first round. Um, I just don't think – not yet. I, I don't think the, the Browns are necessarily ready to take that next step. Um, I, I've seen a lot of hype about Jadavion and Clowney heading to Cleveland. As a person that got the, the firsthand experience of Clowney last year, I don't know if he's going to move the needle for the Browns. The Browns' defense is a whole different situation than the Titans' defense was last year, but I don't think he's going to be that big of a, a needle uh, changer. Uh, I, I think they're. I think they cracked the top ten, and I think that's about it for Cleveland because, like I said, it's Cleveland, and they're going to be the Browns. The Browns are the Browns, like Juju Smith-Schuster said. Um, I hope they make me look dumb. I said with the Rams. Lost your audio again there, Dylan, but uh, I am right there with you again. Uh, with the number 10 pick, uh, you get LA at 11. I've got LA at 11. You've got Cleveland at 10. I've got Cleveland at 10. And uh, for many of the same reasons that you have Cleveland at 10, this team looks very good on paper. Uh, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney on the same defense sounds really good. Um, and I don't want to be the guy to question Baker Mayfield because he is the type of guy that will somehow find this audio and throw it back into our faces uh, at the end of the year. He's just that type of dude. That's his type of personality. Uh, but I just think, you know, they're very, very good on paper, uh, but they're the Browns. Uh, and, you know, being very, very good on paper doesn't erase what we know about that franchise and what is inevitable with that franchise. It's a lot like the Lions. Uh, in terms of, you know, nothing good is really destined for the Browns. So uh, I can't see myself putting them any higher than 10. Uh, and I think it's, you know, yeah, as a Browns fan, to be a preseason top 10 team is one of the best uh, accomplishments for this football team. So take it as it is. Uh, and maybe they'll make us look bad by the end of the season. Uh, we will wrap up uh, with our first single digit team. Who do you have in? And some bright side for Cleveland, it's a preseason top 10, and it's not a mock draft. So, I mean, that, there's a little levity. But uh, my first team that's a single digit, I'm going to go to the desert, back to the NFC West, um, going with the Arizona Cardinals. This is a team that you had last week. I really, really like the Cardinals. I, I love Cliff Kingsbury. I love Kyler. Uh, and then just looking at the roster, like I just listed out names. D-Hop, A.J. Green, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Buda Baker, J.J. Watt, James Conner, Chandler Jones, and then Rondale Moore, the rookie, who a lot of people don't hold probably in the same light I do, but being a Kentucky guy, putting on the show he did at Purdue, you're a Big Ten guy, you know he's awesome. Uh, if he gets a chance to make plays, he's going to. And I'm very excited to see that. Um, they're just in a really tough division. They haven't really proven anything yet. They, they had a great start last year and kind of fell off. I'm kind of terrified of week one because they played the Titans week one. And that really, really scares me because they're going to put up some points and they're going to be able to play defense. But, yeah, I, I really like Arizona at nine. Um, if they had a couple more years under their belt, they might be higher. But they're, they're all coming together right now. Got to get that chemistry in sync and get everything going. But I, I think they could be real players this year. Who do you have at nine? Yeah, and just 
touching on Rondell Moore, I know how hard it is to put up points and put up yards, even on an Ohio state team and Rondell Moore basically beat an Ohio state team by himself one night. So I know how talented that dude is. It takes some scary, good talent to do something like that. Um, so definitely like that Arizona pick. Uh, I have them a little bit lower, obviously, but uh, at nine, I put Dallas Cowboys and I put the, the Dallas Cowboys with an asterisk because I've been saying throughout these power rankings how good I feel the Dallas Cowboys are. And I still think they're really good. Um, I think their offense has a really a chance to be elite with Dak uh, and uh, Amari Cooper. I think that's a match made in heaven. And I think the defense is actually a bit underrated. I think they're going to show people that they're going to be pretty, pretty damn good this year. Uh, the asterisk. And the main question mark obviously surrounds Dak Prescott and how good he's going to be coming off that injury. Uh, apparently injured again, a shoulder injury in camp that's kept him out for the past few weeks, but it sounds like he's going to play week one. Uh, and it's just, you know, can Dak be 100%? And, and if I think if he is, I think the Cowboys are even better than nine. I think they're one of the best teams in the NFC. Um, but that's, you know, the biggest question mark. And it's hard to put them any higher with, you know, he's nursing another injury. He's coming off one of one of the more brutal injuries we've seen a quarterback take in the past few years. So um, I'm rooting for him and I think they're going to be really good. I'm rooting for Dak Prescott. It's it's tough to say. That I, I'm not a big Cowboys guy, so I'm never usually rooting for the Cowboys, but I'm a big Dak Prescott guy. I, I really hope that that guy does well. So uh, I'm rooting for Dak to come back at 100 percent and really show the league what he can do this year. So quick recap, I had the San Francisco 49ers at 12, the LA Rams at 11, the Cleveland Browns at 10, and the Dallas Cowboys at nine. Dylan, just give us our quick recap. Year sure. four teams. Uh, I love the Cowboys at nine. They're going to be a little bit higher on my list, but we'll get to that later. Um, at 12, I had the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sorry, Dad. 11, the Los Angeles Rams. 10, the Cleveland Browns. Sorry, LeBron. And nine, the Arizona Cardinals. All right, so be sure to stay tuned to both the Twitter and Instagram pages. You'll get more content surrounding the NFL preseason stuff. Uh, We will get into our future show next week, our our special show next week, uh, right at the end. Uh, So stay tuned to the end of the show. Uh, We'll give you a preview of that. Uh, That'll do it for our main topics this week. Uh, we're going to move on to this week in sports and our first this week in sports topic. We thought we would touch on the MLB divisions. Uh, once again, uh, it's been a minute since we've checked in on those, uh, and they're getting just as hot. They're, they're about just as hot as they were the last time we checked in on them. Uh, everything, almost every division is up for grabs still at this point. And, uh, I think if you told a bunch of us, the teams that were in the, the hunt for some of these divisions, we would have called you crazy at the beginning of the year. Uh, the Giants and the Rays seem like they're the best team in baseball all of a sudden. So uh, interesting stuff all over the place. The AL East, the AL West, the NL East, the NL West. Uh, take your pick at, at, at this point at what division uh, is really looking most competitive. I'll throw it to Dylan. Uh, for any of the division races, what are your thoughts on, on what's going on in the MLB right now? So I'm enamored by the NL East. It's fascinating. I, and I'm going to get into that in just a second. But first, the San Diego Padres, I don't know who would be listening, the manager, the GM, I don't know. The Cardinals are coming. I just want you to know that. They're heating up. It's August. It's Cardinal time. This is what we do. Tyler O'Neill said it last night after we beat the Brewers. The Cardinals are coming. They're coming for that second wild card spot. Cincinnati and San Diego, buckle up. because It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little while before the playoffs start, and the Cardinals are coming. But 
I'm not going to talk about that because we're talking about divisions. And the NL East is fascinating because coming into August, the Mets had a five-game lead on the NL East. And it's like the Mets are going to run away with it. This is how it was supposed to go. The Mets have a very, very good roster. They have the best pitcher in baseball probably in Jacob deGrom. Uh, and all of a sudden it got to August and the Mets became the Mets. And they're 5-13 and 13 in the month. DeGrom might be done for the year and everything's falling apart. Uh, two weeks ago, the Phillies took a two-game lead after sweeping the Mets. Since that sweep of the Mets, <laughs> the Phillies have lost seven of nine games, including being swept by the Diamondbacks, who might be the worst team in baseball. In that same time period, the Braves have won 13 of 15 games, which is the best uh, record in that span in Major League Baseball. They moved above 500 for the first time in that span all year, and they now have a four-game lead in the NL East for first place over the Philadelphia Phillies. That's just in the past three weeks in the month of August. So it's going to be a lot of fun keeping it up with the East as the season goes on. I believe in the mid-season uh, awards, I I predicted the Braves to come away as the winners of the East. So I kind of like where this is going. That lineup's really good. Uh, they're a really good team. They are. Uh, I haven't got to watch them the last few years. But they're very talented. It's going to be interesting to see them in Philly and New York battle it out. Uh, what division has been on your mind in the races and such? Yeah, uh, I will. I, I think that's a perfect segue. The NL East has been on my mind, obviously, but uh, I will take it to the AL side of the East. Uh, the AL East has been just as wild, just as bonkers in these last few weeks. Uh, I'll throw it back to, I think it was July 25th. Uh, if you've been following the MLB season, you'll probably remember the game. The Yankees and the Red Sox were uh, closing out a, a three-game series. Uh, Yankees trying to avoid getting swept, uh, trying to avoid going down nine games to the Red Sox. Uh, Domingo German, or Domingo, yeah, Domingo German throws a no-header through eight innings uh, before Alex Verdugo ends up hitting a double. Uh, the Yankees ended up blowing a four-run lead and to taking the loss in that game, falling behind by nine games. Uh, at one point, we're ten and a half games behind the Red Sox. Uh, and then all of a sudden, everything switched. The Yankees are now maybe the hottest team in baseball. They won like 17, seven, they went 17 and five in that stretch. The Red Sox completely collapsed, going eight and 14 in that same stretch. And now all of a sudden, the Rays are on top of the AL East. The Yankees have passed the Red Sox in the wild card and the division standings. And the Red Sox might not be in the postseason at the end of the day because the Athletics are, are maybe the, the second best team in the American League, and they're going to be in a wild card spot for most likely, uh, unless that AOS matchup really heats up, which it, it is one of the closest divisions in baseball right now, which doesn't seem right because the Astros have been so good this year, I think. Uh, many people overlook that the fact that the A's are just, you know, they will not go away. They're staying right there no matter what. Uh, they just had a great series with the White Sox. I think they took two or three against the White Sox. It's, it, it's, it's wild for me to see all of these divisions just be so up in the air at this point with a bunch of teams that I just don't, don't think a lot of us thought would be in these spots at this point in the year. Uh, definitely didn't think the A's were going to challenge the Astros as much as they have. I uh, did not think the Giants would be leading the Dodgers and Padres down the stretch and really does not seem like anyone's going to catch them. 
uh, it's just nuts to see, you know, how competitive baseball has been this year. And I think it's setting up for a really fun postseason. I think this is going to be one of the, uh, an MLB postseason to remember uh, for sure with uh, how awesome it's been this season. Uh, we will move on finally with our last topic, uh, another topic that Dylan had on his mind this week. We've got uh, just wanted to share with you guys the best thing we saw this week in the wild, the wide world of sports. So I'll throw it to Dylan for his best thing he saw this week. Yeah, so I was inspired by this because I wanted to mention this on the show, but I didn't know how to fit it in. Um, and this comes from back on the 16th. It was after the Memphis Grizzlies Summer League game. Um, they, they did an interview after the game on the court with, uh, Shaq Buchanan, who, uh, it was a college peer of mine at Murray state played on the team with John Morant and they were interviewing Shaq and Darnell Cowher because they're both playing for the summer league team for the Grizzlies. Um, and they're being interviewed and just kind of out of nowhere, Ja pops up to talk with them and just seeing kind of the big three from Murray state at the NBA summer league, all rocking the Grizzlies gear was just really, really cool. Because uh, I remember back to when Ja was a freshman and him and Shaq throwing alley-oops in the Ohio Valley Conference, then going to the NCAA tournament twice, winning two OVC championships, all the things Ja's done, and then seeing the hard work Shaq Buchanan's put in uh, to get really noticed. Kurt, uh, Kendrick Perkins said multiple NBA teams have reached out, and I, I really hope Memphis offers him a contract so he can stay, play with Ja, um, and kind of put on a show like he did at Murray State, but in the NBA jersey. Uh, and become the bounce bros of the NBA like they were in the OVC. But as a Murray State grad and the guy that was there was Shaq and John Darnell, uh, very, very cool to see. And for all the uh, Murray State faithful, I'm sure it was very cool to see as well. Uh, what was something that kind of stuck out to you this week? Oh, that is awesome stuff. Definitely cool. Definitely, you know, cool stuff there. Uh, not much you can say there other than that's awesome stuff to, to see uh, when you see those guys making, you know, making their dreams come true. Uh, I had two things, uh, two of my best things that I saw this week. I really couldn't decide. One's a bit bit more positive than the other. Uh, I, I feel like I couldn't have a segment like this and not talk about Tyler Gilbert's no-hitter that he threw last week. Uh, first MLB start of his career, uh, only the fourth player to ever do that, throw a no-hitter in his first MLB start. Uh, the MLBs have been around for so long, so there's – almost nothing you can do for the first time. However, if you're doing something uh, with, with guys like Bumpus uh, as the other guys that have done it, uh, you know, you're doing something special. So Tyler Gilbert, shout out to him, uh, shout out to his dad who was watching there. He had to, you know, because there was no minor league season last year, he, he had to spend uh, last season as electrician with his dad. He didn't get to play baseball, was doing electrical work and now throwing a no hitter for the Diamondbacks. Uh, awesome story. Uh, on the other side, the flip side, staying in baseball, but <laughs> a little bit more negative. Uh, I think we're moving a bit to- more towards robot umpires after if you saw the clip of Nick Cassianos getting ejected from the game, uh, telling just basically telling the umpire he's bad at his job. Uh, and, you know, got a quick ro- a hook, uh, something you might expect for telling someone that they're bad at their job. Uh, but it got me thinking about, you know, ML, the MLB and baseball in general is the only is the only sport where you the umpire is just you know I, I got my feelings hurt I'm just going to eject you I just don't want you to play in this game anymore um, and, and to an extent I think you know 
taking guys like Nick Cassianos out of the game. That's it's not not great, and I think you should keep him in the game. But I do think it's one of the unwritten things of baseball, one of the things that is built into the baseball that makes the game fun. Manager ejections makes everyone love it. And uh, I, I think there just needs to be a little bit more leeway for things like that because uh, it's one of the best things about baseball is watching these guys, you know, we, we give players the opportunity to speak their mind more than in any other sport. Uh, so, you know, I think umpires just need to have a bit thicker skin uh, because I love, you know, when Cassianos turns around and tells him he's bad at his job, it, it's, you know, you are, you were at that point. So it's tough to, it's tough to tell Cassianos he was doing something wrong when he was telling the truth. Uh, but yeah, those were those, my favorite things this week. Uh, be sure to, to to stay tuned to social media. We're going to have some content related to that uh, coming out as well today. Uh, but that is going to do it for us at the Dylan and Dylan show this week. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Um, I reckon uh, be ready for next week. We got, we got a big show coming next week. Uh, if you've enjoyed the football talk that we've been doing the last few weeks and with the NFL for a little while now, uh, rare up i reckon because uh next week's gonna be a whole lot of footballs we inch closer and closer to the to the pigskin being put on the field we get to watch some watch some gridiron glory i reckon it's it's gonna be some fun next week as we talk to pigskin yeah I'm excited for that i don't think i have anything else don't have any funny tweets popping in the head or anything yeah and that, that's a perfect segue we were just stay tuned for next week. We have a big football special show planned for next week uh, as both college football and the NFL getting ready to get, get started in the next weekend. So we got a big football show planned for us next week on the Dylan and Dylan show. Uh, Be sure to be ready for that. Uh, And that will do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening and a reminder where you can find us. You can find our social media, Twitter and Instagram at, at Dylan Dylan show. And now on YouTube at the Dylan and Dylan show, uh, you can find tunnel vision sports on Instagram and Twitter at underscore TV sports, Facebook and LinkedIn uh, at tunnel vision sports and on the web at TV This has been the Dylan and Dylan show. Thank you again for listening. And we will see all of you next week.